This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Right back at you. Morning edition, Real Kipper and Bourne. Josh, Josh Santos on tech. Sammy McKee and Justin Bourne. We are now into the big week of the NHL draft coming up Thursday and Friday, but uh, that doesn't stop the news and notes coming in at a huge pace here. So much to get into, including Mike Greer, the next general manager of the San Jose Sharks. We're going to have Kevin Weeks, former NHL goaltender analyst with ESPN, and now the most entertaining news breaker <laughs> in hockey. Some of his <laughs> tweets. Where is he? Where is he breaking the news from? Is as much of a story as the actual news. AJB, guys, I got to tell you, I got to tell you something. So I was in Arizona. I lived in Arizona after I stopped playing, like 08, 09 to twenty twelve. And I don't know what I did over that <clears throat> that time, but Kevin Weeks has me blocked. I do not oh, know Twitter? what I said over those time. Over those, are you still I mean, blocked? I, I, I've been blocked for a decade. For no. a decade I've been blocked. A legitimate decade. I'm sure he doesn't remember why. I don't. Oh, no, no. That's my first question to him. Forget about <laughs> what's going on in the NHL. What did JB I, do to piss you off? I can't. You know, I racked my brain. I'm like, what did I tweet? It, you know, I'm a really sweaty guy and weak sweats. Maybe I tweeted about him being sweaty. I was like, what would I say about <laughs> Kevin Weeks? I'll find out. I don't know. <laughs> All right, we'll get it. We'll get into that. We're going to get into uh, the excitement uh, in Montreal. Maybe pull out a few uh, Kent Hughes uh, Kippers Clippers uh, a little later on in the show. Of course, uh, we're going to kind of focus around the Toronto Maple Leafs. After all, this is a, a Leaf podcast, so why not stick to what seems to be the hottest topic going into the NHL draft? For the likes of uh, Kyle Dubas and the Toronto Maple Leafs, which really still revolves guys around goaltending and defense. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's start there. And I'll, I'll start this off by uh, by talking about the goaltending situation. We touched on it the other day with Jack Campbell. Uh, no significant uh, contract talks. It's It's hard to believe if there will be. Uh, it, it's certainly lending towards Jack going to the open market and seeing where the market price is and possibly the Leafs revisiting it. That's the only scenario that I see moving forward. In saying that, I'm starting to hear that uh, that the that the Leafs aren't thrilled right now of, of what the market can, can bear for them outside of a Jack Campbell. And are, are you sitting down for this, Sammy? Oh, boy. Yes, I'm sitting. All right. The Leafs contemplating staying internal to start the season. Oh, Peter Mrazek no. <laughs> and one of Joseph Wall or Eric Schalgren to back up and and see where you go from there. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying here, Kipper. You oh, know, the God. <laughs> what I hear. What, what was I that, hear. Sammy? That's the whole reason you dug up for that information, for that reaction out of me, eh, Kip? That's what you were looking for. 100%. Uh, if, we could, if we could clip Sammy's, oh, my God, as a future drop, that would be super useful. Um, what do you think, JB? 
Well, here's what I hear when you say that. My initial reaction isn't, oh my God, they are going to try to win with Peter Mrazek or Eric Schalgren or something. It's them, I presume, thinking that someone may come available down the road as things shake out and teams get settled and maybe they can trade for someone later. Correct. Do you think? Okay, so yes, I don't. It's tough to know, right? Because it's a total wild card gambit. Like you're banking on Kawhi becoming available at some point. Uh, you need a pretty good goalie. Do, do, I don't on, know. Hold on. I know you need a pretty good goalie, but do you need a Kawhi? Do you need a Vasilevsky? Do you need? No, you don't. Kemper just won a cup. Okay, so Binnington's I, I won think, a cup. I think that lends to to the the philosophy that. Uh, are we a strong enough team that we can protect the house? Are they at a point where they don't need spectacular goaltending, but they need Kemper make the saves that you're supposed to, and we'll be fine. Kemper's like a nine fifteen save percentage guy. I mean, he's not a bad goalie. Guys, Peter Mrazek at this point in his career is, I wish we were on the golf course so I could say this with the proper curse words, but he's terrible. He's not... He's not average. He's not league average. He uh, That season he had last year was one of the worst displays of goaltending I've ever seen in the NHL. What was he, an 860 flying all over the place, never looked in control for a minute? Okay, let me let me try to convince but, myself but, of something here. Yeah. It, it, it can't get worse than last year, right? No, it can't. I, I He was on a, like a horrific run. And oh, my God. To Sammy's point, uh, could... Could he get hurt a week into the season, two years yeah. in a row? Like it can't. Yes, can't get worse. So what would can it, stay so bad then, though? So then Peter Mrazek, you know, uh, game two against Ottawa pops his groin again. So then your goaltending uh, tandem is Eric Schalgren and Joseph Wall in one of the two years left you have with Austin Matthews <laughs> to win the Stanley Cup. Listen, like, I, come I, on here. I, I just, come on. I, I think. I think they they could honestly believe and and again the the worst thing that you can do here is is make a bad decision on on a on a salary cap that is pressed beyond belief here right. and i think i think the attitude of if worst case scenarios you start with Mrazic and and wall is that it, it leaves you flexibility to 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 jb's point down the yeah, road if right. you need to address anything at Christmas, you let it sort itself out. I, I think it's, I think it's a worse mistake if you go out there and and let's just say it's Billy Huso, and Billy's going to cost you four four million or four mm. five, and he's not that much better than Joseph Wall. Right, right. Now I see your point, now, Kipper. Now, it makes sense. Now you're screwed. Now you're really screwed. You know what Peter Mrazek's record was playing primarily back-to-back for the Leafs last year, guys? 18 games, 12-6. and six. I was going to say, he's above 500 for sure. 12-6. Yeah. and six. So to Kipper's point, he was an 888 and he was 12-6. and six. If he can be a 900, you know, like you can win enough games to make playoffs again. And you're right, how many millions above his salary do you want to pay someone else? The only problem is that he does make three and a half, like or three point nine, almost four himself. Can you flip him out and find someone who costs about the same, who you who can give you an extra, I don't know, point two? And and again, uh, who is that guy? 
And will he be that much better than Peter Mrazek, albeit a healthy Peter Mrazek? I knew that this conversation was coming around. So not not that I knew that the Leafs would do this, but I know that Kyle Dubas would be thinking, can we just do it with Mrazek? It's just he gave you no confidence from day one. I do wonder if a fresh start. I don't it, think can't you see him going somewhere else and having a decent year? Like, I don't yeah. know, like a fresh and start. Who knows? Listen, it, it's not their first choice. It's He's not 30 years old. Choice. He's not 40. Yeah. To, to, to go down this route. I don't think it's their first choice, but what it does is if if you can get Mrazek to stay healthy, and Joseph Wall is that much better or more experienced, and he can kind of hold his own, then it it buys you time, and it what it does the most important thing is it buys you flexibility on your cap, which will take us into. The, de- the defense and the issues now is yeah. they're having trouble signing Sandine and Lilligren. Well, Lilligren's done, so it's on to Sandine now. Like, what do you do? So Lilligren got... So 1.4 times 1. 2. Right. They offered that to Sandine. He turned it down. Yeah. Good for mm. him. Good for him. Honestly, uh, the, I don't understand what's gone wrong with the, the Rasmus Sandin situation, he must be pissed that they didn't put him in the playoffs when he was healthy. That's what I think. Is that fair? I I, I don't think it uh, ended very well, to your point. Uh, to, to what degree, I'm not sure, uh, but it, it, it seemed to have soured at the end of the season. Yeah. And I think the fact that uh, uh, he won't sign Lilligren's deal means that... Uh, He's looking for something, you know, much more significant that will show that I am ahead of Lilligren. I am a better player than Lilligren. I was here before him. Uh, you know, for, for him. So do you think it's a Denny Lemieux situation? Is he looking to to get out of Dodge here? So here's the situation for me on the, on the, on the left side is right now you got Riley, Muzzin, and Giordano on the left side. Rasmus is a left side, left side guy. He doesn't want to play the right side. He believes he's good enough to be on the left side. What do you do? Like, I don't blame him for looking at it and going, you know, what, you get 1.4 to sit in the press box and watch Mark Giordano play 65 games? Well, I don't know. Am I crazy here? I can see why he would want out. Well, I, I, again, I, I don't know anything about whining out. Right. Uh, compared That's putting to... words in your mouth compared to uh, getting what he thinks he deserves. Right. Now, here's another play that no one's talking about except us on this show right now. Let's have it. Offer sheet. Offer sheet for Sandine. Yes. Another He's team. A... He is she... a candidate for a cheap offer sheet. Big time. And I will tell you... That another team offer sheeting Sandine anywhere between 1.3 and 2.1 is a third round pick. If they want to go as high as 4 million on an AAV to offer sheet Sandine, it's a second round pick. Mm-hmm. You don't think that teams would contemplate 
Four million one year deals. Well, four is too rich, and he's not worth four. We know that. Well, but they're but, not going to match. You have to make it a number. The Leafs are going to match up to two point one, Kipper. They are, they are. But I don't yeah. know if <laughs> I don't know if they can at two five or two seven. Yeah. Right, and uh, I mean uh, Jake Bean, I think is in Columbus, who's not much older than Sandine. He's making two point three. There are a few 22, 23-year-olds in the ballpark of 2.5 that probably still have as much upside as a Sandine. Right. Would he be a target, especially coming off of, uh, you know, what we saw against Montreal and, and Carolina? Are teams more up now based on what happened with Carolina and Montreal to go this route? The difference is, here's the difference, is if, if the Leafs had an offer at, at uh, to, to match at 2-5 or 2-7, I don't know if the Leafs can do it. At least Montreal and Carolina, they can play that game, that vindictive game, and, you know, I'll screw you. The Leafs, the Leafs can't do that. They can't go out there and get revenge for at least two years, maybe three. Mm-hmm. So... Um, by then they've either won a cup or Dubas is gone. So exactly, <laughs> and then it's a, it's a new guy that has to deal with that. Um, yeah. But but is is that what Sandine and his agent may be uh, waiting for to see if there's a market yeah. out there? Yeah, that's interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, I could see that. If Sandine were bigger, I would think it would happen for sure. I love the way Rasmus Sandine plays. I I am, you know, like you guys, there's still question marks in the D zone. There's still some is, – is another team confident enough in what he's going to be that they want to pay a second or a third rounder? Probably. Oh, I think they – gosh, I don't know. There were times when there – there was times in the last year and a half where you watch Sandine and you're like, I, I think this guy can be really good. Oh, man, 100%. I, there, there are games where I thought he I was think- their best D, man. You don't you don't think there's a world in which they could get a first round pick and a trade for him if it's just a straight pick? Like they're not trading him for other bodies. I I, I think there's probably a world when someone values him for a first round pick. I like I'm but, terrified but, but, of trading. Well, if, if, if that's the From case, why don't I offer him? Why don't I offer him uh, two and a half million and uh, and give up a second round pick? Why do I want to trade for first, Sammy? No, I mean, is that what the is that the way the the salary structure works? Is it two point yes. five for a second? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you do that. You hundred percent do and that. The Leafs but can't I, go two and a half for him. They can't. They can't. No. But then they would. Yeah, I was gonna say then they just sign and match it and then trade him. But all you're getting is a second anyway, probably because you're the contract's no good. The the other thing here is uh, going into this week, they are desperately trying to unload Justin Hall's contract. Actually, and, I, I'm so mad I didn't get to say that first. I was sure that was happening. <laughs> yeah, and so so I don't know. Does two million there alleviate the pressure to uh, to 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 sign Sandine? No, I don't think. Does it? It doesn't change anything for me. You know the and Lilligren and Lilligren. What do you think frustrate- Lilligren wants? I have no fr- idea what his ask is. Lilligren, or, or I'm sorry, not Lilligren, Labushkin. Labushkin, yeah, and and he is UFA, right? You you said he's UFA. Yeah, I I don't know what his number would be. What do you think his number would be? I so I'm high on the player, much. three, two oh, and a half. Boy, I, was, I know I'm high. I was gonna say yeah, two. Yeah. 
I was gonna say two. No, I think it's I think it's two and a half. I think I mean, as, it's closer. As a UFA, this guy he's twenty eight years old, he hits like a truck, he's big. I think he's got upside. Like the Leafs they they kept him in the lineup in the playoffs over Timothy Lilliger and the guy they just signed for one point four. Like they like him. And and I actually think that he's been in such a bum situation in Arizona, the more he plays in these good on a good team in good spots, handles the puck a bit, I think he's a player. I'd pay him. Uh so someone, you know, how many right shot D men are available in the UFA market these days? Oh, but but that not only that, but not only that, uh, like he's on a team that that's in dire need of needing his style. So yes. you know, no you want to look, you want to look skinny. You stand beside a guy that weighs four hundred pounds. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's his toughness on the Leafs. <laughs> you think it's been the perception of him as tough is elevated because he's been on the Leafs? Yes, that's funny. yes because it's that it, it it's needed that much. Yeah, well, that's so, the you know the the Muzzin conversation comes back to that too, though, right? Where it's like, I don't know, you know, everyone, I don't know if I'm jumping the the queue here by talking about uh, Muzzin, but it's like the McDonough thing. People saying, well, if they can be cutthroat with uh, with their great defensemen because of salary cap problems, why can't the Leafs? Well, the Leafs need him. They need someone like him, and it's him and Labushkin. After that, it's nobody. So I, I don't think the the Leafs are looking to get rid of Muzzin. I don't know if you've heard anything on that front, but I think they got you got to keep him around. I, uh, I I just don't see anything real significant to 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 move Muzzin. You're right; that would be a a major shift. Nylander, the same thing. It just doesn't appear. That that Kyle and Brendan Shanahan are are interested in that major of a of a shift. Yeah. Listen, can I can I ask you guys a question? Of course. And this is not me. This is this is not me projecting my opinion on either way of this. Who do you think is going to be better for the next four years, Jake Muzzin or Rasmus Sandin? You know, they're so different. <laughs> is that a cop out? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, that's. Uh, listen. Muzzin has got a ton of wear and tear, and we we saw that ton. first and foremost. So it's 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 not it's not a fair question. But, Sandin's just starting his career. There is a tremendous amount of upside. I think under the right circumstances, Sandin's a top four uh, defenseman one day. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Muzzin's Muzzin's got uh, you know if he can stay healthy, I yeah. and, and he's got the jam. To, to play still, he's he, he's gonna help. He's gonna help a team try to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, I think my answer is over the next couple of years, will they try to win a Stanley Cup? Who do I want to see go out over the boards against Tampa Bay in the playoffs? Against Colorado in playoffs? I still want to see Jake Muzzin over the boards. Like if I see him in That's Nashville fair. next year. And all of a sudden, Nashville's better. I'm like, yeah, Muzzin's really good. That helps. You know, like he's he's a great player. I'm just I I'm just terrified of a Sandine train, boys. Like I really am terrified of the idea of him going or or a offer sheet. Like I I'm caught in you between just... him being really good and hasn't had a chance yet, or him being like maybe the next Travis Dermott kind of thing. Like I'm caught in between those two battles in my mind, but I really do love Sandine, and I'm terrified to see him go they, to another team, they especially absolutely... a rival team that offer sheets him. They 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 don't have a lot in the cupboards when it comes to. No. Uh, prospects stepping in and playing, they 
They need Punchy Sandine. Douglas. Yeah. Punchy they Douglas. need Sandine to, to step up and, and go to next level stuff. But have they drafted have a to... D man in the last five years? I can't think of a D man I've been excited about for them and But they also have to do Topi. They got Topi. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Topi? Yeah. But Topi's Topi Topi pretty good, I think. He, he doesn't have our he doesn't have our yeah. rights, so they're they're going to try to get him as cheap as possible. And in a perfect world, they want him one four right beside Lilligren. I hope he makes one point four one, and it's just like the most petty thing in the world that he wants to be paid more than Lilligren, like just a just a nickel more. Yeah, no, he's better <laughs> than Lilligren. I think, I think so. he's better than Lilligren. Like, don't you think? Like, I think if Lilligren didn't shoot right, like, I, I right. think this conversation should be moot. That's like, 100%. Lilligren shoots right. Sandine is definitely a better player than Lilligren. Like, there is no there is no conversation in my mind where he's not. Wow, there's the, just the shooting. More ahead, upside. Kipser. Just more For upside. Sure. Right? He just does more things well. Like, he's just he's more offensive. He's a little bit more physical, I think. Like, he's just he's just a better player in my mind. So, I think I think if I'm him and I'm looking at what Lilligren made, I would be thinking, yes, I deserve more money than that. I don't think that's an unfair ask from him. I, I, I also don't understand, and I'm not a huge Justin Hall fan, but it's he's a right-handed shot, which is... Two schmills, pretty cheap. Very sought after uh, in the National Hockey League. And two million isn't crazy for a guy, JB, that can show that he could play 15, 17 minutes a night. It's yeah. uh, he was, and what's he, he what's was going on? How good come in the playoffs too? How come? Why is it taking so long to move this contract? I don't know. Yeah, you know, people I find the very polarized opinions on Justin Hall and and what he is. Uh, you know, for me, it's just that he's not physical. He's big, and people see him as not physical. Some some people think he's not good. He's a defense man. He defends, and he does a very good job of that. Um, yeah, I would it's say probably pretty. one of the most. No, it's not pretty, is it? So, no, I don't know. People, people just really don't like this pretty. guy. All right. Anything else you want to touch on uh, on the Leafs well, here? Just a quick point about the whole Mrazic thing that I haven't stopped thinking about <laughs> since you brought it up. Just before the we get to wheels are turning. Oh, the wheels are turning. I, I, if you're Kyle Dubas and you believe that he's worth that money, you believe he's a good goalie, in your mind you can write off last year as an aberration, as a nightmare season, and that he will be better this year, right? Like I think you can really kind of try to write that off in your mind that last year didn't exist and it was a fluky year and bad stuff happened. That's probably what he's doing to himself to try to convince himself of that. Like if you thought he was good enough to give, yeah, if you yeah, thought yeah. he was good enough to give him that money, then you'd think he's good enough to still be a good goalie in the NHL. You know, the year before last, he played twelve games for the Hurricanes and was a nine twenty three in those games. You know, the nine oh five, nine fourteen. You go back over his seasons; he's not like far removed from being good, and he's only thirty years old. So you probably talk yourself into it. How do you see a guy pull his groin three times and consider him as a part of your plan? Like, hmm. I, I guess you just hope he holds out long enough, and if you have to figure it out later, yeah. you figure it out later. I don't know. Punt it down the road a bit. It, it, oh, what, you just said it. Just you just uh, you move it down the road, and you particularly if you else. don't love Huso, because who else is there? You're not paying Kemper that right. money, and Mark Andre Fleury one year is going to cost you what six million? What's a, what's one year for Fleury? I don't even know. So, all right, as promised, the number one newsbreaker. 
in the National Hockey League now led with these amazing tweets. Kevin Weeks now joins us, former NHL goaltender, analyst with ESPN, and number one news breaker. You're like Elliot now, man. We, we're so fortunate. We had Elliot on yesterday. Weeksy, we got you today. And uh, as, as we speak, do you have uh, uh, one hand on, on the cell phone? appreciate that morning morning to everybody too today appreciate your kind intro man uh i might have to owe you a euro on a bun maybe or a chicken souvlaki on a bun for that that intro <laughs> but uh, i <laughs> uh, i do i do have one finger on on the phone though as we're talking as you know you've yes. been breaking news for years too so so I yeah I, I certainly have one finger on the phone how are you doing Before, all good we're, we're we're doing great you know what uh it's nice, silly fellas. season we know that uh some outrageous stuff is out there we're going to try to figure out mm-hmm. what's real what's not but before we get into any of this did you block justin Bourne <laughs> as a follower on twitter confirm <laughs> or deny <laughs> I gotta check right now. I gotta pull his name up and check. Let me check his name. Weeksy, Weeksy, let me just let me just step in and say it was like a decade ago when I was in Arizona, and I don't know what I said. I must have been drinking. I don't know what I did, but I, I come to you pleading and apologizing for whatever it may have been. Oh, okay, hilarious. you know what? Then I, I can, of course, I can accept that. Of course. <laughs> but here's the question. But wait, here's the better question. What exactly were you drinking that night? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea to this day. I got. I went through my Twitter oh, archives. I was good. like, "What did I? I'm a terrible person." <laughs> that's Jamie's... too good. That's too well. We're gonna we're gonna correct this. Then don't worry. I'm gonna, we're gonna uh, correct that. Uh, Justin's got a book coming out that talks about uh, you know uh, he comes full fully clean on uh, the demons that he's had with the alcohol. I'm sure you're gonna fit in a, a Kevin Weeks blog. <laughs> I will I'll fit in, in a paragraph. I'll make it right for sure. All right, Weeksy, let's get to it, man. Mike Greer, uh, you talked about it. Uh, I think you broke the, the, the GM of the Sharks now going into Mike Greer, first black GM in league history. Um, your, your thoughts about uh, a Mike in San Jose? Congrats to Mike. I, I think it's amazing. Congrats to him. Uh, it's a huge, huge milestone. My wife and I actually had a chance to see him during the playoffs. Rangers, I think they were in the Eastern Conference Final, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, it was the second round, uh, them against Carolina after a game at the Garden. Briefly, and for all these years that I played against him, we'd never really crossed paths to be able to speak. So spoke to him briefly coming out of the Garden one night and just congratulated him on what, on what he was doing, working alongside Chris Drury. They're good buddies from their time together at BU, absolutely. And now... With the Rangers, you know, he was working alongside of him. So this is massive for the league. It's huge. I know this for a fact because, you know, I've been in this interview process in this funnel for a little while, the last couple of years, interviewing for front office jobs that I felt made sense. And for him to actually land one of these, this is almost like landing on the moon, literally, because having a person of color and a black person in one of these roles is something that literally seemed impossible. So huge congratulations to him. Huge congrats to the San Jose Sharks. I know being a former Shark was a big priority of theirs in in terms of their criteria. So this is huge for the league. This is huge for the Sharks. It's a great opportunity for Mike. Uh, Congrats to him. His brother, Chris, is also the GM of the Miami Dolphins. I'm not sure if a lot of listeners would know that. But his brother, Chris, is is also the, the GM of the Miami Dolphins. So this is huge. And obviously their dad worked for the New England Patriots for years. So 
It's a massive accomplishment, man. Massive, massive for our league and for our sport. A- any chance it- they trade for an offensive lineman? San Jose? <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. They, they could definitely use an Aaron Donald or three. Uh, the, way, the, the way guys are able to get to the net against them uh, in their D zone, they could certainly use at least two or three offensive linemen for sure, no question. But, yeah, yeah well, they, it's, I'm curious to see. They, they've got a big – they certainly have a big job ahead of them to be able to restore some pride into that organization. And I don't like the way they handle Bob Bugner and the coaching staff. I'll tell you that. I think they waited way too long uh, to, to inform them of the fact that they weren't going to be returning. So they've got some things to clean up there. It's a big job there. Yeah, and, you know, uh, letting people get to the net makes a natural transition to the team we talk about most on our show, the uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's uh, an area they spend a lot of time on trying to figure out. Uh, we had talked about Jake Muzzin before you came on as a potential, uh, you know, is he someone that could go throughout the year? We're, we're just talking about Toronto Maple Leafs in general, and mm-hmm. if you've heard anything around them, whether it's Jack Campbell or Sandine or Hull, the, there's all these interesting contracts, and it seems like the Kyle Dubas has his hands full to figure out um, what to do with all all these players yeah that, great question boys I would say this you know obviously the Leafs have had some amazing regular seasons they had another record-setting one last year this most recent season this past season so they're making big progressions in that area no question about it as I've said before uh, Kipper you may or may not beg to differ in in my time I'm 47 now playing against the Leafs between Dougie Gilmore and or Matt Sundin, those are the two best Leafs that I've ever played against. Both Hall of Famers, both, both amazing for the city and the franchise and were great players. As far as in this current job as a broadcaster, the best Leaf I've ever seen is, is Austin Matthews. The most unique Leaf I've ever seen is Austin Matthews. He's been amazing. League MVP, Marner's been great, you name it. But they need to start rounding out pieces on their team. You know, this has been 13 straight Stanley Cup final for me as a broadcaster plus the one our team went to in 02. So this is 14 Stanley Cups that I've been to. And every year, you see the two teams that are there, and, and Kipper, you know this yourself, having won with the Rangers in 94, there's different pieces. Each team has different pieces. They're, they have different dimensions to their team. And although the Leafs are high-octane, they're fun to watch, they're super skilled, they have some amazing players, they have to start adding some of these other pieces to their group if they want to get over the hump. They haven't been able to do that in eight years. So they've done some awesome things. You know, I played with Brandon Shanahan. I played with their head coach, Sheldon Keefe. I know these guys that never played with Kyle, but let's just say in the case of Shanny, you know, he played on some awesome teams in Jersey, of course, and with the, with the Red Wings and in St. Louis. They had different components, and they need to start adding some of those components to the Leafs. So I think it's going to be a tough loss for them in McKayev, but I'm very curious to see if they start adding some of these other components. Let me give you guys one because it's early in the morning right now. And for those of you that are, that are strolling around back home or tuning in, drinking your Tims or whatever you're doing, including my parents. <laughs> Tricky Nicky Paul. Tricky Nicky Paul is a Mississauga kid. Grew up playing minor hockey back home. Played in the O. I don't understand for the likes of me how Nick Paul, first of all, they didn't draft him, but that's okay. But it's not, but it's okay. Then he goes up to 401 to Ottawa. Then he goes to Tampa and he's one of their best players in the bottom six. And now Tampa, that was on the quest of a three-peat, just signs him to an extension. Like, those are the types of players that they also need to add to their group. And it seems to me that other teams continue to find those players and value those players. 
And unfortunately for the least, those are the types of players they have to add, like I said. So I'm curious to see what this offseason looks like, especially starting at the net for them. We're joined by Kevin Weeks, NHL former goaltender analyst on ESPN. So, Weeksy, uh, you mentioned Austin Matthews and, and uh, him being one of the best Leafs and uh, obviously MVP uh, at the height of his career right now. There's this window here. Do you buy, Weeksy, into the theory that the Leafs are on the clock for two more years with Austin Matthews before he can go UFA? I buy that to a certain extent. I, I kind of look at a parallel with Edmonton, with Connor. And why I say that is, at the end of the day, these players, and I know both these young men pretty well, and, and know how great they are as players and, and how much they burn to win where they're at. It's not like they're looking to, to go and win elsewhere, per se. They want to win where they're at. They made the commitment to be where they are. Certainly in the case of Austin, certainly in the case of Connor, the challenge is at some point, you know, that, like I was saying, you, you need to round out the roster. So as, as well as both these teams have done in the regular season, at least Edmonton had a push this year. Uh, they certainly got beat down in the Western Conference Final, but winning the Battle of Alberta, they had a better playoff this year, right? It, it didn't end well for Edmonton, but a much better playoff. Connor was awesome. Leon was amazing on one leg, and Evander Kane played like a man possessed, and so too did Zach Hyman. But for the Leafs now, at some point, you need to start getting some traction. Like, if you're Austin Matthews, and Kipper, you know this yourself, these years go by so quickly. I'm sure you remember, Kipper, you come in the league, everybody's like, young guys, you better enjoy it. Next thing you look up, it's three years. You look up, it's five. You look up, it's ten. And the years start rolling by. So that's my point where if I'm the Leafs, they have to start adding solid pieces around these players around Austin, around um, Marner, add the different dimensions. Players like yourself, a it, Darren McCarty type. Though. You know it's what I'm easy. saying? They're, they're, they're pressed against the cap. There is no room. That's the problem. Move one of them out. Which then one? move one of them out. Which one? Give us one. If, if it's me at this point, and it's no slag because I played with his dad and, and they used to shoot on me after practice, the Nylanders, I would I would look at either moving him or a combination of moves. But I would certainly make some bold moves. You have to make bold moves if you want to win the cup. And you know that as well as I do. You got to be bold. You got to go for it. You got to make bold moves. And, yeah. and quite frankly, I'm, here's I'm, the other I'm challenge, too, boys. Here's the other challenge, too. Here's the other challenge. You should have re signed Austin right off the bat. <laughs> like, you should have re signed him earlier. Once he came out and, and, hit, and hit the league with the Kit Kat with the four goals. In his first game, you already knew what you had. You already saw what you had in your first year. As soon as that period to resign him came about, they should have resigned him, and you end up waiting, and then you sign JT. So JT comes in, he earns his dollars. So Austin's like, all right, well, hey man, if you know you bring in John Tavares, I respect. He's commanding this. Here's what I have to command. So I'm curious to see what type of surgery they're going to do in the off season. They're certainly starting from a great place in terms of having great assets. It's just a matter of how they kind of tweak this team. And, oh, by the way, a guy by the name of Nazem Kadri might not have been bad there. Just saying. <laughs> Don't go there. You're going to make gonna... <laughs> Sammy cry. <laughs> He's going to bring that Stanley Cup down Young Street the way Phil Kessel did. So I wouldn't be surprised. But congrats to Naz and what he's, what he's accomplished and what he's become. He's done an amazing job there in Colorado. I've spoken to him and the coach here at Bednar and players. He's done a really awesome job. Congrats to him and what he was able to accomplish, too.
You know what's wild, too, is like watching the NBA where a guy like Kevin Durant's available and the Raptors are like, yeah, we'll trade seven first-rounders to get Kevin Durant. Like the willingness in other leagues to do these sort of big moves you're talking about with Nylander or whoever, it's there. For some reason, there's such hesitance in the NHL. As we head towards the draft here, totally. everyone talks about saving up their, their big moves for the draft. Do you think there's a possibility? Where is the smoke in the NHL right now around potential teams that might want to do something a little bit bigger? Do you want to start with Miller Good and question. Vancouver? Yeah, let's start with JT Miller. So, okay, a guy I got to watch here a lot in New York, right at the Garden. Really flourished once he left and went to Tampa. And, of course, since he's gone out to Van City, he's been amazing in Van, right? We know that better than a point per game, one of the rare power forwards in the game, in today's game, I should say. <sighs> to me, and with all due respect, I think it's him, Thatcher Demko, or Quinn Hughes that are the best players in band. I do love what Bo Horvat brings as the captain, etc. But I'd say this now, if you're Van and you're going to trade him, you better hit on it because he's the one player that they don't have as far as a power forward that's productive. He's better than a point per game player. I know he has one year remaining at 5-2-5, but I do know a lot of teams are on him, uh, Kipper, and I know you've been tweeting about this as well. I do know from speaking to different clubs that they're in on him. I'm not sure that Van will be able to consummate a deal that they are looking for in terms of their price in time for the draft, but I do know a lot of teams are in on JT Miller. Here's another thing that I'm keeping an eye on. Right up the road here in Jersey, I'm keeping an eye on what's going on with the Devils. Yes, we're brought along with Jack Hughes, were their two best players last year. Jesper Bratt was a point-of-game player. He's a pending RFA. I know there's some people that have said, well, he's a six-rounder. They plucked him out of London, Swedish player. He played London in the O, but this kid scored 70-something points. He should have been an all-star last year. So I do know that there's other teams that are watching with foam at the mouth, patiently, albeit, to see what the Devils end up doing there. And then, of course, we know the Fiala trade just happened, so... There's a lot of different moving parts right now, boys. A lot of different parts. Who trades for McCann for his rights, too? Uh, I, my head's going a million directions, but I just want to stay with New Jersey for one second. There's a sense that uh, Montreal would like to get another high pick. I don't think they have what it takes to actually get into a, a number two mm-hmm. for New Jersey, but uh, there is a sense that Montreal is shopping Josh Anderson. Is there any chance at all? that New Jersey would be interested in, in Josh Anderson and uh, contemplating giving up that pick? I think they can contemplate that based on the money because the money would make sense based on what Anderson makes now versus what the projection is for Jesper Bratt. After Fiala got just shy of eight, I don't know how Jesper Bratt gets, gets anything less than seven or in and around the neighborhood of seven on an AAV, depending on term, right? After that Fiala trade to, to L.A. and then he got the deal. Josh, uh, listen, when Josh Anderson's on his game, I know he's a Burlington kid. He, too, played in London. I call him Josh Manderson when he's going because he's a man yeah. possessed when he's going. Yeah, I love the fact that he can play an old-school game. Sometimes you got to tweak him a little bit, though, Ooh. which is a little frustrating because he's got all – you know this kid. He, guys, he's got all the yeah. – he has all the components. Uh, all that to say, I think he'd be a really nice piece for New Jersey, but – Yes, for Brad is he's really good, man. He's a really good play driver as well. But Josh Anderson is something that New Jersey does not have as well, and something that they could use more of in terms of size and skill. I'm curious to see if Montreal can find a match there. Uh, but you're right; they don't have as deep of a pantry 
anywhere near as deep of a, of a pantry as I should say as L.A. L.A.'s stocked with their pantry and their prospects right now. Well, listen, Weeksy, we know you got a busy week ahead of you. Uh, we're going to let you go, but uh, really appreciate your time. Have fun. Looking forward to your uh, your breaking news tweets. Thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate you guys, man. Thanks for having me on, and hope everybody's doing well. Happy belated Canada Day back home, too. Kevin Weeks, ESPN. God, there's a ton there, and I'm not suggesting for one second Josh Anderson's, like, uh, that, that would just be the start of a, of a package if, if they won, if – if uh, New Jersey's thinking about uh, moving down in the draft. You know what Montreal should do? That. That's what they should do. They should just go all in. Sure, have Josh Anderson, have whatever. You get out of this draft with the one and the two. You get Slavkovsky and Wright. You got Suzuki. You got Caulfield. You know, eventually by the time those guys are great, Price's deal's out of there. Weber's deal's gone. Like, All right. We'll, uh, and, from their pers- we'll- and from their perspective, you hope that you suck bad enough next year to get uh, Connor Bedard. One well, we're gonna get, we're gonna get more into uh, the draft, including a couple of uh, Kipper uh, Clippers with uh, Kent Hughes on uh, the first overall excitement, uh, the pressure of possibly uh, picking first overall, the expectations maybe for Shane Wright. Well, let's get into that uh, after the break, okay, guys. Appreciate Kevin Weeks joining us. Uh, You're listening to Real Kipper and Born. We are right back after these messages. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Things heating up in the National Hockey League as we go into NHL Draft Week. In Montreal, pretty good spot, boys, Montreal. I've heard. An even better spot when they have the first pick overall. Let's get uh, right into a a Kipper's Clippers uh, with Kent Hughes on just the overall feeling and perhaps a little bit of the pressure of that first pick. It's hard to be 17 years old and and be under the microscope, uh, as Shane has and others before him. But it's probably almost harder to be the first overall pick in Montreal. So as part of our evaluation, we're not just evaluating hockey players. We're evaluating character. We're evaluating their... uh, We're trying to evaluate their ability to deal with that type of pressure on a consistent basis. Yeesh. Yeah. Uh, um, Your thoughts, Sammy? I think it's I think it's very, very true what he's saying. Being the first overall pick. When's the last time the Habs had a first overall pick? Maybe I should look that up before the show. But, like, <laughs> being the first overall pick in Montreal is a little different kettle of fish than being the first overall pick in Arizona. It's a lot of expectations. It's a lot of just having that on your back is a big thing to go through your career with. I know we've got some real – experts out there including uh cause uh with sportsnet and uh i don't begin to know shane wright's game uh as well as many others uh but the perception out there is that uh you're not getting the typical uh flash from him as a first Mm -hmm. pick overall Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. is there a tougher audience 
than Montreal to be the first pick overall and have this this game that uh, has you have a reputation for being a guy that's as smart without the puck than you have with the puck, and that's a high compliment for Shane Wright. It really is. Some it's some guys get lost. So, some guys get lost when they don't have the puck. This guy is. is his hockey IQ might be off the charts when it's a complete game, checking uh, where to be when you don't have the puck. Uh, a lot of people are telling me he's absolutely brilliant. But it might be a hard sell those first couple of years, don't you think, in Montreal? Yeah, well, I don't. Uh, you know, you talk about him being uh, smart. It's a smart hockey fan base. You know, they know they know the game well enough and can appreciate that two-way play. Uh, we actually have a clip from another first-round pick, do we not? From our first overall pick, Sammy. Do we have Vinny LeCavalier on, on the pressures? Yeah, we do. Let's have Soon a let's as, have that. as the draft is over, it doesn't matter if you're first or 200th. I mean, everybody's goal now is to make the NHL, right? And and I'd say probably being a first-rounder, you might get a, a quicker uh, opportunity. Um, but it's to basically forget about um, the draft and, and move on. And now it's like you're part of this team now and, and your only goal is to make that team as quickly as possible and or, or when the time comes and, and uh, be a part of it. So... Um, so my advice is enjoy the day, but after that, it's uh, you know you gotta get to work and do everything you can to, uh, to you know to make your dream come true. Uh, I don't know if I completely. Uh, I think he's downplaying it. I think there's so much pressure now on a first pick overall to be a superstar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it just hasn't always happened like that. I agree the pressure's there, but you look at. You know, what's going on in New Jersey? They got Heeshear. They got Jack Hughes. You know, they're are they superstars? Yeah. No. And and one beat reporter following him around all year. <laughs> yeah. You want to compare true. that to Montreal? No. No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> those are considerably different situations. Does Shane Wright speak I think French? The, Better the one thing The one thing I think may be going for Saint a Lord guy Lois. like Shane Wright is Marty St. Louis. I think I think he can he's the one guy that can maybe come in and calm people down including the media on expectations on that first pick overall. Yeah, that's true. That you know that having him would help. I love I I actually think St. Louis is the right guy at the right time for them. You know, as everyone kind of tries to find their way with a fresh start in that market with some young players and um, you know, could use a little bit more mentoring than straight up John Tortorella hustle or sit on the bench. You know, like it's a little bit, little yeah. bit of a different mentality, I think, for these young guys. I like it. And yeah, I just yeah, I, I and especially Marty St. Louis is a guy who was you know he was undrafted, right, and kind of like fought his way into the developing into what he became. I just think there's a lot having a guy that that is so fresh, that good of a player is so huge to me for developing a team. Like you're yeah, not, think, like you said, it's the opposite of like the John Tortorella. He, he was so good and it wasn't that long ago. I think he'll definitely uh, be in a position to protect uh, Shane Wright if, in fact, the Montreal Canadiens pick him Thursday night. Um, any surprise with Brock Besser getting a three-year deal? Just under $20 million. Does he stay? 
I don't know. You know I think I think so. I, I'm I'm a Besser guy. Their salary cap is really not fun. Like they got a messy situation there with the the way that Benning kind of all in them when they weren't even close. So it's messy. But he's a good young scorer. Someone's yeah. got to play and, and score for you, right? They're not re-signing J.T. Miller. It's the logical choice. Uh, I think uh, like a Fiala, you're, you, you gotta, we gotta be seeing sooner than later uh, a, uh, a trade and sign with him. With with Besser? No, with Miller. Oh, with Miller. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you don't trade um, for Miller at this point without an extension. It's a it's right. Fiala all over again, is it not? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Can the Leafs do it? Can JT Miller come to Toronto? No. Uh, way to leave that one hanging over for Sammy <laughs> till our show tomorrow. As the music Sammy, comes in. JT Miller with Tavares. You like that look? I like JT Miller a lot. Yeah. Call it I thought in. you were saying you like JT Miller JT for Tavares. <laughs> All right. Oh, I would Our really like thanks. That. Our thanks to Kevin Weeks and especially all of you who continue to listen to The Real Kipper and Bourne Show. We'll see you tomorrow.